This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two films with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And this week, things are getting hot and steamy, but mostly strippy. Yes, it's time to unburden yourselves of those cumbersome clothes you're wearing and embrace your inner Adam and Eve, but mostly Adam, because in the red corner... We're heading up north to the suburbs of Sheffield in a film that became a cultural phenomenon as the disappearing steel industry forces a group of men to use their other rods or pipes or please insert your own metalwork phallus analogy here from 1997. It's the full Monty. If you were out of work... Get a job. If you want joint custody, then you have to pay your share. And out of luck. Now what? Sure, I'm thinking. You'd do anything... You call them Chippendales, man. ...to turn your life around. How many lasses were there, though? Thousands. It's worth a thought, though, isn't it? But these men... I don't see why not, Gerald. Because you're fat and he's thin and you're both ugly. ...have come up with a plan... No, not doing it. Come on, Dave, don't stop now. ...that's going to get them a lot of exposure. A laughing stock. Totally. We can either forget it or do it and just maybe get rich. This is crazy. While in the blue corner, Channing Tatum might have a name that sounds like a small village in the home counties, but he's way sexier, and damn, can that man dance. We get to see that sexiness and danciness combined in Steven Soderbergh's fable about <clears throat> the cock-rocking kings of Tampa. From 2012, it's Magic Mike. Good evening. You live here? Yeah. Yeah? What's your name? Kim. Kim, can you move back for me, please? We keep getting complaints of noise and underage drinking. Everybody sit down. We're going to be here for a while. You don't have anything sharp on you that I can stick myself with, do you? No. 
Good. Because I do. The businesses that I manage, they deal exclusively in cash. Wow, busy guy. <laughs> We welcome the stage, the one, the only. Magic Mike. You are the husband that they never had. You are that dreamboat guy that never came along. So what connects these two movies and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Hey, yes, you are. Uh, welcome to the show. So, as you just heard, this is the Full Monty versus Magic Mike part one so this episode we're going to be talking all about the full monty and we will be back on thursday to cover magic mike and remember if you want to get in touch with us you can on twitter at ClashPod or on email show at clashpod.com now just before we go into these films chris you put on our twitter where the people would like to guess the movies this week and you said the clue was nudity that's right, isn't it? It is, yeah. I did that, and we got quite a few guesses, didn't we? Oh, my God. Have you read some of them? I've got some of them to hand if we want to go through them right now because some of them are great and potential Clash Pods of the future. Do Here's it. one from Peter Robson uh, who goes, Porky's versus American Pie. Like it. Mark Shea. I really want to do this one. Colour of Night versus Body of Evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, we're too close to Basic Instinct to really allow ourselves to do that. Plus, people are in lockdown. Kids are around. They might not be the best movies to do at the moment, but they're on the list. Uh, Tim Parks says Fifty Shades of Grey versus Body of Evidence. Another Body of Evidence one there. Uh, Johnny Tightlips says Boogie Nights versus Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Um We've got one from, oh, uh, we're never doing this, but thank you, Giles Cudmore. Sex Lives of the Potato Men versus <laughs> Confessions of a Window Cleaner. Uh, it's a hard no from me. Uh, <laughs> there's a good one from um, Tom Mimnimar. Mimnar, Mimnar. Okay, um, apologies, Tom, but I will get your name right in the future. He says, shame and hunger Question mark. <laughs> really? That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> that is the small answer to the question as well. I like that. He's written in brackets underneath that, uh, as in the names of the films, I'm not just asking a deeply personal question. I mean, that show would be non-stop oh laughs, wouldn't it? Shame and hunger. <laughs> Bloody hell. That's brilliant. He's going to put one of us out of a job. That's decent. <laughs> uh, Andrew says, and they do both contain unity, T1 versus T2. Good. Um, and finally, for the moment, Endershine says, eyes wide shut versus some other weird movie. <laughs> So those are some suggestions. Uh, we may well be doing those in the future, uh, at least some of them. But right now, it is the Full Monty uh, versus Magic Mike. So these were your choices, Victoria. Tell us about your unashamed desire for some sanctioned titillation in isolation. <laughs> 
I don't know what I don't know what you mean. I just wanted uh, to feel good <laughs> during lockdown, <laughs> and these films made me feel good for different yeah. reasons. Actually, um, would you like to guess the connection? I'll go for it, Chris. Yeah, it's quite oblique, so try your best. <laughs> I, I, I gave a clue for people guessing, and my cue was nudity. Now I wish, having now watched the the pair of them, my clue should have been two words: penis pump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there is a penis pump in both these films. That's not yeah. my connection, but okay. still. Um, and Chris has stolen my favourite. Is it that both films feature a scene containing that most mysterious and legendary of devices, the suction-based penis enlarger? One not in use and one very much in use. That's true, actually. So do they work or don't they work? Um I actually have some facts on that. <laughs> it's been a quiet week. Well, well, no, I'm, no, I'm saving them for later. They're, it's um, it's really good, but they come with a health and safety warning. It gets graphic. Um, here's one. I, I, I've actually found one that is a quote, if you can believe it, there's a quote here from Pope Francis that acts as a connection for this show, which is, he says, worshipping is stripping. I mean, the quote does go on to say, worshipping is stripping ourselves of our idols, even the most <laughs> hidden ones, and choosing the Lord. But the first three words... It's like, like oh. when they put a quote from you on a film poster. It's like, I loved it. I would never have said. <laughs> no, those are all very, very good. The, uh, but the actual connection, which I'm desperate to say because I've made myself laugh about it all week. Are you ready? It's the Yorkshire Amateurs versus Tampa Pros in Men, Huh, What Are They Good For?, Absolutely buffing. My <laughs> <laughs> fucking gold. Is buffing a word? <laughs> You're just jealous. Jealous. She's our very own Lewis Carroll. Buffing. <laughs> Absolutely buffing. It works. Yeah. yeah oh, frab just day to be buffing. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, uh, we've learnt a word and we've already just started. Uh, so uh, you gave me Magic Mike, didn't you, Victoria? I did. So we'll be doing that on Thursday, which means, Chris, you had the full Monty. We do this chronologically. Take us away. Cool. Would you like a synopsis? Please. Okay. The steel mills of Sheffield have shut down, making Gary and his mates unemployed. To get by, they steal scrap metal and claim the doll, but Gaz is missing child support payments, meaning he might lose access to his kid. Times are tough with the future looking even tougher, but then our hero has a cock-shaped epiphany. The Chippendales make a mint stripping for the locals, so why can't former steelworkers do the same? The blokes hastily form a troupe that's middle-aged and out of shape, call themselves Hot Metal, learn some basic dance steps to 1970s disco, and promise to do what the oiled-up muscle men wouldn't dare, which is show schlong. There are obstacles along the way involving police, bailiffs, child services, cling film and death. But the lads pull through, performing their make or break routine to a packed house. The film climaxing with the full Monty. They may not have the talent for it. Dancers of coordination, fitness and grace. The bodies for it. The less I eat, the fatter I get. So stuff yourself and get thin. Or the stomach for it. I think I'm gonna be sick. But when you've got nothing to lose. Right. This lot go all the way. You lot. You've got nothing to hide. That would be worth a look. We've sold 200 tickets. No one said anything to me about the full Monty. Are you in or are you out? <laughs> So this is your great money-making enterprise, is it, Gary? Strippers. 
So that is the story in a nutshell. Um, what is your history with this one, team? Um, it was the right. So I, w- I watched it with my parents. I've seen it like two or three times, and it was one of those films because obviously it just like took the nation by storm. And my mum and dad thought it was the funniest thing they had ever seen in their lives. So it just has that feeling for me of like. I've just been thrilled to see my mum and dad like laughing their heads off and it actually being like a family film. But then is that weird? Like, I don't know. I think I, I, it's a really weird one, isn't it? Because it is a really heartwarming family film about stripping and all these really heavy, serious themes. But yeah. I think it's it was such an astonishing success because they, they're always talking about these films needing to be four quadrant, you know, men, women, boy, children, um, girl children and this one really did that you could watch it with your mum and dad you could watch it with your mates and there was something in it for everyone uh, how about you alex um i'm going to be completely honest with you because we have that kind of relationship i believe the three of us where honesty is the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about us uh, this was a first watch no, yeah 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 let me avoid it I, I, so it's, I knew you'd ask that question, and I want to be very clear. This is exactly the kind of film that fell so far outside the remit of films I was interested in seeing in 1997. <laughs> I just, it was, I offer no appeal. Like, a gentle comedy dramas set in the UK, films like this and Brassed Off, and I just, I never wanted to see them. And I, I admit, I was wrong. But I went back into the recesses of my mind to try and work out what it was. And I think it's because the first ever US Hollywood film I saw was Smokey and the Bandit, which was a shitload of fun. And the first British film I saw was Tarka the Otter. Oh, God, I hate that film. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I just remember being like, why is this even a film? This is heartbreaking. <laughs> so, Alex, did you so, think the full Monty was going to be like Tarka the Otter? I, I will answer that question. I thought it was going to be a lot more it's grim up north and heartbreaking. Even though I knew it was about stripping, I thought it was going to be a little more drama and a little less comedy. And I'm going to come out and say, I've seen both these films now, Brassed Off and The Full Monty, and a lot of films like that, and I was wrong. And this is a lot more fun and a lot more silly and a lot more feel good than I thought it was going to be. So it was a really good thing to pick. Thank you for making me watch it, Vicky. <laughs> well, this was a uni watch for me. I was in, I was at York Uni, living in Yorkshire at the time. Uh, so I felt a bit closer to the material. And my best friend was from a village just outside Sheffield called Whitwell, which I used to visit all the time in 96 and 97. So I remember this being a magical watch, uh, seeing it with her and... I don't know. It's I haven't seen it in in probably twenty years, but I think it does stand up. So, should we talk about how it got made? Um, sure. It's Simon Beaufoy uh, wrote it, and it's interesting how that came about. He he trained as a documentary maker, so he was very interested in collecting people's stories and and doing true life stuff rather than drama. Um, and he met with a producer called Umberto Pasolini, and they had a chat about a three page outline he had. Uh, which was about guys in a gym. And there was a line in there about the Chippendales. And Pasolini said that he didn't really like the outline, but he thought there was something in the Chippendales thing. He was this um, dramatic Italian man, and he he really questioned that. He didn't, he'd never heard of the Chippendales. And he said, in Italy, this would never happen. Uh, what has happened to British men that they would humiliate themselves by taking their clothes off in front of women for money? 
Jesus. <laughs> Judgmental <laughs> much, honestly. I blew want his... to produce that film. <laughs> yeah. It completely blew his mind and said, I feel like there's a story in that. And then Beaufoy sort of went away and, and realised he could make it about um, unemployment and the disenfranchised. And so that's... Uh, and he was living in Sheffield at the time as well. And so that's how uh, the script came about. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because uh, I read a couple of things which talk about the comparisons with this in Brassed Off. And by the sounds of things, when it came to people actually investing and making the full Monty, uh, people were deciding whether to do that or Brassed Off. There was um, the CEO of Channel 4 Films was interested in doing this and actually held what he called a beauty contest between the two films because he felt that they both, and I'm quoting, served the same community and had the same concerns about unemployment and dignity. And he thought that Brastoff did it better. And his words in hindsight were, you can only hope you don't make that mistake again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I was trying to see this from his point of view. And I think if someone had told me the idea for both films and the cast of both films, I would have bet on Brastoff as well, because it had Ewan McGregor and Pete Postlethwaite, who were bigger stars than Robert Carlyle and the rest of these fellas. And yeah. I don't know, a, a group of, pudgy men stripping doesn't sound appealing i don't think when that is the synopsis you know still work well, is stripping you have um you have a lot in common with harvey weinstein as far as that statement goes because he thought exactly the same thing um he said uh, i think he funded uh, in some way or he was certainly involved in the production of brastoff and he said i had two films about british unemployed guys who put on a show in one of them they took their clothes off the others blew trumpets and i chose the fucking trumpets <laughs> uh, i mean that raises that raises a lot of questions about whether you're allowed to laugh at a harvey weinstein quote unquote anymore but that's what he said so uh so yeah a lot of people passed on it um uh, and speaking of big mistakes can i can i tell you the third person that passed on it because this is good fun go um on. this is a quote a direct quote from nicholas lindhurst who'd been offered the lead role <laughs> no he hadn't he said i was in rehearsal in northampton on a bleak day and my agent phoned Darling, availability check, British film, not much money, set in Sheffield about male strippers. I said I'd pass. I don't regret it. Yeah. With <laughs> visual show now, I think we'd have Del Boy falling through the bar just to represent the stupidity <laughs> of that quote by Nicholas Linton. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, you, you're a fan of a pun, Chris. Um, there's some. Have you have you heard some of the alternative names that this was going to be called? Because apparently they didn't understand what on earth the full Monty meant in America. And granted, I actually had to look it up in preparation for the show because I was like, did they come up with that expression? Was that did that arrive with this movie? But apparently not. Apparently it's been around for ages. Um, it was going to be called. You ready? Strap in, Chris. Eggs, beans, and Chippendales. <laughs> no, even better. Fish and Chippendales. Yeah, I was going to say, that's surely it's Fish and Chippendales. Yeah, I'm doing the whole list. Uh, there's only two more. Um, other suggestions included No Man's Land. That's a war film, isn't it? Well, I think it's the suggestion that men don't really... I, I guess it fell through the gaps because it suggests that stripping is a solely female occupation. Ugh, and so, so offensive. It's so offensive. Yep. Carry on. Uh, all right. Uh, well, finally, Six Ugly Pigs. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't Are believe it was ever me? called that. <laughs> um, hey, don't shoot the messenger. I actually quite like it. I'd certainly go, what on earth is that? Six ugly pigs. <laughs> All right, that's what you can call your first script, Alex. 
<laughs> Whatever it's about. <laughs> yeah, like Reservoir Dogs, the title doesn't mean anything. Right, yeah, can we talk about the film then? Sure. Um, I'm going to sidetrack us at the beginning, though, because uh, I don't really want to talk about the first scene, but talk around it. Um, because the movie opens with scenes from an actual promotional video from 1972 called City on the Move which kind of pictures Sheffield as this thriving city of the future. They call it the jewel in Yorkshire's crown with its success built on steel, um, where people know how to have a good time. Um, And then we cut to 25 years later where those steel factories are empty. Now, I didn't realise this was a real film um, Mm. made in 1972. The filmmakers paid £400 for the footage and it was actually released as a DVD in 2008. They called it The Real Monty. Yeah, no, I saw that and I'm like, cashing in is one thing, but who the fuck goes, do you know what? I really, really want that 1970s Sheffield promotional video as like an, as a thing. I don't really enjoy it, the full Monty, but I did, I did really enjoy that 70s movie at the start. I wonder if you can get that as a solo thing on DVD. Why would they release that? Also in 2008, so 11 years later, you've been thinking about (laughs) this for the best part of a decade and finally arrives on the shelf of HMV. (laughs) Things move slower up north. It's a much more laid back lifestyle. That's how long it takes (laughs) between making it and the full morning being released to go, we should should think about releasing that... um... A little uh, video there. But um, the reason I bring it up is City on the Move is actually on YouTube. Did either of you watch it? I watched it in the full Monty. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. I've watched the full half hour. Have you? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Some of the stuff uh, they uh, use to, to show that Sheffield is a great place. I've got five here that I liked. Um, apparently in 1972, the cutlers of the city still meet with regularity, uh, with proper pomp and ceremony. They're home the to the biggest nightclub in... Yeah. in- <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Vicky. The, the, the fucking what? The Cutlers. What's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I heard you. <laughs> you don't matter? know, do you, Chris? You don't know. Just say oh. you don't know. Uh, uh, I'm just Googling it. <laughs> Chris. Uh, uh, Surely when know. you wrote it down, you you knew someone was going to go, sorry, what, what on earth are cutlers, Chris? It was more about the fact that they meet with pomp and ceremony made me laugh. I, but I, we don't know what they are. Yeah, they might be like... like... Yeah, judges, for all we yeah. know. <laughs> That's just a meeting for judges. Any meeting they have is full of pomp and ceremony. Oh, God. There's going to be Cutlass fans out there as well screaming at the podcast now. But you don't know. That might be a terrible thing and we don't want them listening because we don't know what a Cutler is. Look, if you're a Cutler and you're be... listening to this podcast, I'm deeply sorry for my ignorance. Or if Cutlers are people who kick dogs in the face for fun, we don't want you listening and we don't care about your pomp and ceremony. Oh, and you Google it. It's, when you Google it, it's really hard to find out what a Cutler is. Oh, a mystery. <laughs> yeah. That's why people tend to do it before we're actually doing the show. You know? All right. <laughs> um, I'll tell you a couple of other things I liked. Um, it's home to the biggest nightclub in Europe. Do you think that was true? I'm, I, that was one I would I had a question mark against. Um, it had... Really? That one? Because I, I argue Cutlers was where the first question mark should have come. Well, why don't you find out what Cutler is while I'm reading this out? <laughs> All right, fine. I'm looking um, at that. They're home to the largest snuff makers in the country. Mm, I see. I'm not even clear what snuff is, if I'm honest. Ah, that's... that's chewing tobacco, isn't it? No, it's snuff tobacco. It's stuff you put up your nose. Okay. And is then it? my favourite one was, like they say, like the rest <laughs> of the country, Sheffield has not solved the current problem of old people, although we can rest assured that the task is being tackled and ungrudgingly. What? <laughs> 
they're tackling the problem of old people ungrudgingly, the guy says. Okay. <laughs> Bloody hell. Anyway, just a weird detour into the history of Sheffield. Um, so once they set the scene, we meet our leads. Uh, Robert Carlyle is Gaz. Mark Addy is Dave. Um, as I said, Gaz is, is having trouble paying child support. I'm not sure he's a good dad. I mean, when he's out and about with his kid, he's either stealing or sneaking him into bars where he can drink beer. Mm. Um. But he sees the Chippendales uh, advertised at the Working Men's Club um, and having watched a woman piss in a urinal, he has the idea that stripping could make him and his mates money. And Are we you also just going to... Sorry, go on. You're just going to gloss straight over the woman standing at a urinal urinating. Oh. I've, I've, I, I just thought I was... Initially, I was like, okay, fine. That's I've never I've actually never seen that before in a movie. Um, I did some research. Uh, Victoria, I think you might be able to back me up here. It's not easy. It's not. No, um, she's got excellent pelvic floor control, but good for her. Mm. Yeah, my problem with that moment is to make the urine show up on camera and indeed look like urine, and, and it be clear what she's doing. They've made it far too yellow. I literally saw it, and I was like, she's dehydrated. Mm. She um, she needs a glass of water. Um, so uh, she's been drinking, what's the year? 97. So what's she been drinking all night? Vodka oranges? <laughs> Dunno. No. Oh, Smirnoff Ice. We she's talked about it the other day. Castaway. She's drinking Castaway. She's drinking yeah. Castaway. <laughs> castaway, Hooch, two dogs. She's Ooh. probably having two dogs. Do you think she's Yummy. using one of those sheepies, Vicky? No, I think, she, like I said, I think she can just turn it on and off like a tap. Is that possible? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is it painful? Could, could you do it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I reckon. What else are we going to do in lockdown? I'm doing my exercises. <laughs> the muscles of my bladder wall are incredible. They're in great shape. Thanks, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fact, a cutler, and I think we're going to kick ourselves right now, is a person who makes or sells cutlery. No. Which- yeah, of course, because come oh, on, let's work it out. Oh, right. Steel. Yeah, yeah no, that makes sense yeah. because the, the guy mm. uh, the guy narrating the documentary was very excited that they now had stainless steel uh, cutlery in the city. How did you I not work put... out what a cutler was? I should have put two and two together, really. <laughs> Gutted. <laughs> Gutted. Right, is that oh, enough no. of women pissing in your urinals? Yeah. Great, I'm, I've ticked every box on my sheet. <laughs> uh, and we also, around this time, meet Gerald, who's played by Tom Wilkinson, uh, who used to be the foreman of the fellas uh, and is now sort of on the same level as them. And he's sort of immediately drawn as, as quite a tragic character. Uh, but the first scene I want to focus on um, is when uh, Gaz and Dave are jogging and um, Simon Bofi talks about humour being a coping coping mechanism and a way of dealing with pain. And I think this scene really underlines that when they find security guard Lomperin in his car and it looks like he's broken down. Um, they go to help him fix the car and we as the audience realise that he's actually been trying to kill himself. Bingo! I've got that scene too. Well done, Chris. Um, so there's a suicide happening under our nose and it's played for laughs here. Um, they get about five laughs out of this attempted suicide, which is really impressive and a really perfect mix of comedy and drama. So what did you think of this scene? I like this scene. It makes me laugh um, 
when when Mark Addy tries to throw him back into the car because he's ungrateful, that is very funny. Um, the only thing watching it again, which I loved when I was sixteen, because it it just I thought it was nice. But as a bit more of a cynical adult, like when he when Lumper says, oh, "I haven't got any friends," and Gaz and Dave say to him, "Oh, it's all right. Where are you mates?" And it's like I don't know if that if I buy that, they'd more like to be like, "So are you all right if we just go now?" Because I don't know. It, he hasn't got much to offer them, so I didn't really buy it. But it, it works for the film. But they're in the north, Nicky. Everyone's friendlier in the north. Oh, God, I completely forgot. I haven't been for a while. I forgot. That's that's 100% true. We just make friends, bam, like that. <laughs> I, I guess it's what it's what you'd call a very twisted meat cute as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's what, you know, th- these early scenes are now assembling the team, basically. It's like a superhero team up almost. Um, and I think this is a funny way to introduce the first one by him trying to kill himself yeah it's great because this is you know i was talking at the start about how this movie i wasn't sure whether this movie was going to be a bit sort of like featherweight comedy sort of nicey nicey mixed with a little bit of you know it's grim up north drama um but this is the scene that really shook me awake and went oh okay so it's genuinely funny like as in like they're doing things to get big laughs that can be quite dark like the suicide thing and um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. And I thought the bit that you pointed out where they go, we're your friends now. I was like, that works for me entirely because it says this is a movie. This isn't really a sort of slice of life. This mm-hmm. is we're following the rule book of making a feel good movie. And there is more fantasy than yeah. reality. And which that, is oh, telegraphed like by the music as well, which which I'd forgotten how annoying the music is in this film. But uh, did you not find it jarring? Like as the first time you've ever watched it, just it's constantly telegraphing like everybody be happy, everything's fine. Not hot well, chocolate, not the soundtrack, but the you know the music composition. Yeah, sure, the score. Yeah, yeah. You mean the Oscar-winning score? It didn't, did it? <laughs> yeah, did it? Yeah, he won the Oscar that oh, year. Yeah, very weirdly, <laughs> very weirdly, that year they had two score Oscars, one for drama and one for comedy. It's so fucking annoying. Because <laughs> Titanic obviously won uh, the drama score that year. And yeah, okay. this, this is an Oscar winning. Well, that's why I got kicked off the judging panel, isn't it? Because of <laughs> no one believes me. Yeah, well, we'll come to the score because it's a good thing to bring up, but um, I'll, I'll offer up my theory uh, on the score in uh, the bits at the end. Um, I, I was, I'm going to do that too, but I wasn't going to reveal that at this point in the podcast. Okay, uh, you know me, I get overexcited, <laughs> Um, So the strippers assemble and we learn a bit more about their difficult home lives and there's a very funny scene where a pair of gnomes ruin a job interview for Gerald. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might have made me laugh out loud the most when uh, one Really? Gnome, when a gnome headbutts another gnome, that really made me laugh. <laughs> Uh, but then we're on the next scene i wanted to focus on which is the uh, auditions um which uh kick off with an old bloke doing the most depressing strip ever to jetem oh Um, it's les battersby from coronation street oh is it (laughs) yeah yeah that is a really shocking moment (laughs) (laughs) why were you disappointed you didn't get to he didn't take it all off no, because he just seems so crushed by life, and he's not like that in Coronation Street. Um, so it's yeah, it's the difference. But it's a weird moment because he's sort of he's quite sympathetic. It sort of it mixes up what you're supposed to think about him because he he's quite a sympathetic figure because he does it really bad. And he goes, "I shouldn't have done this. I've just embarrassed myself." And you're like, mm. "Oh, it's kind of heartbreaking." Yeah. But then he does that switcheroo, and like he sees the um, Robert Carlyle's son 
is in the room. And then he goes, my kids are outside. I'm, I'm going to go. And he goes, there's no place for children in here. So he sort of starts <laughs> off sympathetic and has a go at them for there being a kid in the room, which I thought was quite strange. Yeah. Well, a strange thing on that front as well is Peter Catanio, uh, the director, was saying that when he did the press tour around America, everyone kept asking him, um, did he have second thoughts about having a child in the film witnessing all this uh, stripping and nakedness? Why? Why? It's just, it's just it's, nakedness. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, of, and it's, that's his dad. It's fine. His dad and his dad loves him and he's not doing anything weird with him. So it's fine. Exactly. And, but men's changing rooms, I got a shock because when you go to the swimming baths as a kid, I used to go to the women's changing rooms with my mum. I mean, I'm really young at this point, And I was like, cool, in the women's changing rooms. And you get to an age, like, because you've got your own little changing room in the women's changing room with your own little door. Like, you yeah. go into a separate <laughs> cubicle. So when I get too old to go in the women's changing rooms, I'm like, oh, you got to go in the men's now. I went in the men's, no fucking cubicles. I could see everyone's just there in a big room, naked, men, ch- like children everyone's just naked in a room and i was shocked and i was like well, how do i take my pants off to put my trunks on because there's no there's no door people can see and i i think that that scared that scared me a lot as a kid i just remembered that that was horrible <laughs> on, my, on my ninth birthday um i was the mascot of crystal palace i got to run out on the pitch with the players and beforehand they just gave me a football and a pen and shoved me in the dressing room and the whole team was in there getting changed. They were pretty much all naked. And I was, you know, I was nine years old. I was pretty much at penis height. And I was told, <laughs> I was told to walk around this dressing room going up to them saying, will you sign my ball? And it was absolutely terrifying. Um, and that's it's the first just... time I met Ian Wright. God, <laughs> can you believe Oh, that's and what did, did he did he sign your ball? Yeah, he was the friendliest actually. He 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 could wait to sign my ball, and he he helped me get the other signatures. So thank you, Ian. That's nice. That's nice. It's a shame as well that we stopped using penis height as a legitimate measurement for children. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the auditions, we then get Denzel from um, Only Fools and Horses, who really has the moves as a character called Horse, Mister Horse, Mister Horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't clear on that. Was that a nickname? I thought yeah. it was a nickname. And yeah. then why is it a nickname? Well, that's doesn't make any his... sense, does it? Because it's supposed to be about his penis, I think. Yeah. But then he's using a pump for his penis. So is he worried about his size or not? That, and then it's it, not much of a joke if the next character, the whole joke revolves around the fact that he's got a big penis. I don't know why you'd have a penis joke before a penis joke. Quite right. Mm. Um, but yeah, we get Hugo Spear as Guy, who fails to walk on the wall, uh, sort of Fred Astaire style, which is a joke that doesn't really work. Uh, oh, God, yeah, that terrible bit of slapstick. I will at this stage say, I know you like the gnomes joke, and actually that's quite that's one of the that's one of the good ones. But this I love the fact it goes for big laughs a lot, but it sometimes sacrifices quality for quantity. I, I, I'm sure you're not going to pick it, so I'll just mention it now as an example of one such gag. The bit where Mark Addy is in the supermarket and picks up a pick-and-mix suite and the alarm goes off, like the shoplifting alarm goes off and he puts it back. It's just a really weird moment. And I know the alarm goes off again when they run out having actually stolen something. So I can only assume that is there, that weird pick-and-mix joke, for people who don't know that shops have shoplifting alarms, so they set up that that's an alarm early on or something because it's just an odd joke mm. yeah 
Yeah, and, and, and this this uh, running on the wall joke, they actually do it again. There's a callback to it later in the yeah, film. Yeah, there is so, the last scene. I don't know. Maybe it got lost in the, in the test screenings. But yeah, we then get the famous line from the film when he, he, he reveals he can't sing, he can't dance. They ask him what he does do, and then he drops his trousers. And famously, they say, gentlemen, the lunchbox has landed. Um, <laughs> Hugo which, Spear, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Which yeah. really confused American audiences, apparently, because they hadn't heard... Uh, a penis compared to a lunchbox, which is fair enough. It is a very strange comparison. Uh, I, the first time I heard it, people would use it in reference to Linford Christie. I think it was a way of talking about Linford Christie's penis on television without saying penis. Oh yes, I remember <laughs> yeah, that footage. Remember. That was on. That seemed to be like on a loop on the BBC for a while. They just yeah. used to they, they used to keep like showing it sort of in slow motion, going from side to side. Yeah. Like a lazy punchline on a Radio 4 panel show. That's what it reminds mm. me of. But um, Hugo Spear said that um, after Full Monty came out, thanks to that scene, he got a lot more attention from girls. Um, and he also said, you're like this, Alex. It made him it made him famous for a year in Hollywood. And he said that him and Paul Barber, Denzel from and Fools and Horses, turned up at an Oscars party and Burt Reynolds answered the door, put us both in a headlock, one under each arm and said, I love you guys. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was like, that should have been me. <laughs> have you got a lunchbox? I've, I, I'm not about to come on this show and start. Yes. <laughs> Vicky just said she could piss standing up, so. Yeah, all right. Oh, let's, 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 uh, let's put it all out there, yeah? I, uh, I can piss standing up. I'm, I'm proud of it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd seen this scene. I'd seen footage of Prince Charles doing this bloody scene. Yeah, I knew this scene. I was very aware of this scene. God, this scene. For those not, those who haven't seen it, it's hot, hot. the song Hot Stuff's playing on the radio in the job centre and the guys are all there queuing up and they start doing uh, pelvic thrusts in time to the music and sort of start smiling at each other. And Tom Wilkinson does a big flourish that he would have done on stage and Robert Carlyle's watching them smiling. And it, it's less than a minute long, that scene, but it sort of turned the, money, the, the movie into a bit of a phenomenon just on its own. Uh, it kind of transcended cinema almost. And that was all you needed to know to get people in, in the movie theatres for this one. Uh, still funny, Vicky? Yeah, it's still... It, I don't know if it's nostalgia or whatever, but the framing of the the way that they frame the shot as well. So Robert Carlyle's on one side and his mates are on the other. So you get his point of view watching them. They're not all in the line together. And obviously you get a nice close-up of him. And he's just really twinkly-eyed in it. And it is still... Uh, it's a funny feeling. It's not like I'm not pissing myself laughing, but you're just like, yeah, go on, Gerald. Like it just looks, <laughs> it just looks brilliant. Um, and it's, um, it's got such an, it's got an emotional weight to it as well because you know that they're all into the idea of it and they've lost all their, well, enough of their shame about dancing and being seen to dance and whatever. And you know, it livens up a job centre, which is the most depressing place in the world. And to get a bit theoretical yeah. about it, that the writer Simon Beaufoy said that he was trying to learn how to make scenes and create emotion without using dialogue and he said that this scene was inspired by two czech movies from the 1960s the fireman's ball and blonde in love where he said they learned how to tell a story from those he learned how to tell a story from those films where the set pieces did the work that dialogue normally does and uh yeah i think he nails it and as you said uh prince charles did it in, in sheffield in a showcase uh for the work of the prince prince's trust in the city and um, it's very weird watching footage of Prince Charles thrust his hips. I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. No. What? He's a red-blooded man like the rest of us. Just because he's royal, it's fine. He's not really thrusting. He looks like he's having a great time. I saw the same footage. I watched it in preparation for the show, and I thought, good on you, Prince Charles. I always thought you were a bit, you know, stuffy. But you actually look like you saw... Sort of... You thought a prince was a bit stuffy. <laughs> he's literally a fucking prince. <laughs> and famously stuffy. Yeah. Uh... He's not relaxed with it at all. <laughs> he probably himself on using words like carbuncle so yeah he's, he's he's a stuffy man but like there's this thing where he's sort of in the footage like he starts to do it and he's not quite in time and then he sort of goes hang on no oh, i've got this and then he does it again and he's much better and you're like oh he really wants to be able to do it well uh and then we are we have a conversation about the objectification of women and how they're being objectified themselves did you like this did you think this was right on vicky I don't think it was right on. Yeah, all right, 1978. I thought it was right on. <laughs> yeah, but um, just to take the acid tone out of my voice, I do like this scene very much. Um, I love the fact that they hadn't realised that women would be like um, judging their bodies. The only thing that I don't like about it, and it's it's only because it's a good scene, like I'm being nitpicky, is that it's another chance for Mark Addy's character to go on about his weight again, and that's just starting to get a bit tiresome by that point because I don't see him as that big. So when they're talking about anti-wrinkle cream and he says there's no such thing as anti-fat bastard cream, that's a funny lie, but it's like, oh, Jesus. Like, if I was there in that room, it's like, just shut up going on about it. Like, you look good, it's fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you would as well. You'd have lost your patience by that point. I can see you doing that. Shut up. Stop yeah. talking about how fat you are. Yeah. He's getting on he, my uh, <laughs> The but problem what? is, I agree with you, he isn't. He He's not really fat enough no. to have that much of an issue with it, I don't think. No, I don't think. And I think... It's nice that he's got a small arc in that he then, you know, finds his power and he does it and all the rest of it. But everything's sort of in place for him to do it. And, you know, his wife isn't cheating on him and she still thinks he's gorgeous. And he hasn't really got any issue apart from it's in his head because it is in his head because he isn't that fat. And to keep banging on about it, it just gets annoying. And it's that bit as well, like they choose that as the through line for when he finally loses his temper with Robert Carlyle and he grabs him outside the the Astro and goes, don't ever call me a fat bastard. And you're like, Jesus Christ, chill the fuck out. Like, honestly, (laughs) like, what are you doing? Screaming, he's your mate. And also, also, shut up. If they'd ever listen to any women about anything, you can lose. If you like totally starve yourself in like in a week, you can lose a few pounds. It's not big. Just like eat spinach all week or something. Stop eating Mars bars. If you cool, really cool, 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 cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I should say at this point it's dangerously unhealthy to any listener who plans on starving themselves for a week. Not a whole week. It. No, that is crazy. No one should do that. But if you eat spinach, maybe some apples. See what happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I really feel at this stage we should be pointing out Vicky is not a trained health professional nor no. dietitian, and I think you could tell that from the way she went. Eat some spinach, and I don't know, maybe some <laughs> apples. That's that's yeah. good. as well as losing my job on the judging panel of the music Oscars. Um, I'm a failed nutritionist. <laughs> Uh, but that's Don't the music. <laughs> Do you mean the Grammys? Because they changed the name. <laughs> they changed the name to the Grammys a while ago. Because well, it was like the that's, music after I, that's after my after I left. So I don't yeah. know. After your tenure there. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to be honest though. That scene where he's eating the Mars bar while wrapping himself in cling film did remind me of when I used to go to the gym and then go to McDonald's and practically cry, cry while I was eating a Big Mac. Oh Lord! But, hang on. That, what do you mean remind you of that? That was like less than three months ago. That was just before we went into lockdown. No, it was when I, it was when I lived yes. in Bournemouth. You came on this show. Long-time listeners will have heard you say, yeah, yeah, I'll go to the gym. Then I'll go for a McDonald's. I've heard you say that. Yeah, it was when I was in, living in, in Bournemouth. It was, it was a dark time. Um. Uh, so <laughs> moving on from okay. my yeah. depression, um, we've got Gerald worried about getting a stiffy on stage. Um, uh, we've got them rehearsing in front of some old dears to Gary Glitter, which is <clears throat> dates the film somewhat. Um, yeah. And then we've got this weird gay subplot that sort of comes out of nowhere and then doesn't really go any places, but I'm not sure if that's oh, a bad thing. Oh, it doesn't have to. It's no, exactly. brilliant. Exactly. It's really, it's really well-timed and it's really sweet. And it was, it made me cheer again. And it's the third time I've seen it. I think, I just think it's really well done. I think it's the, well, it's then the, you're going to, it's the, you're going to love this Vicky. Go on, go on, Alex. Sorry. There's, um, in the uh, and this is a this is a note uh, that IMDb should probably uh, go through some of their older entries and update them because they have a parents guide uh, for the full Monty for the sex and nudity. Uh, there's a few on there. Uh, the final scene shows all six main characters doing the strip tease act. Buttocks are visible. Uh, the next one is a woman pulls down her pants and urinates up a urinal. You only see a minimal part of her bottom. And the final one in the sex and nudity section, the parental guide is two men stare lovingly at each other. It's implied that they're gay. 
And oh. later, you see the same two men holding hands. So kids don't watch that. Is that what they're saying? Okay. Apparently, parents should be aware of that in the sex and nudity section My of uh, the film. But I guess what's great about it is is that they don't make a big deal about it. It's just something yeah. that happens and then the blokes have a laugh about it, like they're having a laugh about everything and then yeah. moves on. Yeah. Um, and then we sort of get the culmination of the all is lost uh, section of the film. So Gaz is potentially going to lose his kid. Gerald's lost his wife and his house. Lompa's lost his mum. And then Dave's wife finds his, a G-string and thinks he's having an affair. And I think this is the next scene I wanted to talk about because I think it's sort of the emotional heart of the film. And I, I'm with you, Vicky. It does go on a bit, um, the sort of the stuff about Mark Addy's character, Dave, being overweight. But equally, I think it's just really well acted by the by Leslie Sharp and him. Um, yeah. I think it's just a really lovely moment. He, he says, look at me, who wants to see me dance? And she says, me, Dave, I do. Uh, it is nice. I just, I my this is not the fault of the scene. It's my own issue. I first saw this film when I was sixteen, and so there's an earlier scene where they're in bed together, and she's giving him a kiss, and he says, he says, oh, it's, I can't even say because it, it traumatized me so much. I still, I think about it all the time, and he says, Jeannie, I'm all in, and he goes to sleep, and I didn't know what that really meant when I was sixteen, but I was like, what does that mean? It means he's tired, doesn't want to. Have, that's fine. And then I realized because I'm like sixteen, so I'm sort of. I'm thinking one day I'll share a bed with a with a person on a full time basis, and it had never occurred to me that this was a thing that would happen. That if you shared a bed with someone, you wouldn't just be basically shacking them all the time, and that some like that's what to me being a grown up is or was. So it traumatized because I was like, is it a possibility that you could be with someone and they wouldn't want to? What? And and that sort of came flooding back that feeling of like misunderstanding the rules of being a grown up. Vicky, when 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 your yeah. parents shut the bedroom door, did you think it was just non-stop <laughs> shagathon? No, of course I didn't because I'm not mad. But you you all don't think that about your parents. You just think my life, my life will be like that. But obviously, my mum and dad is not. They've they've had sex possibly twice because I've got a sister. But maybe we just landed on the doorstep. Which and is are you I saying you and Mark? Then it's not non-stop shagathon when you shut the. There's <laughs> too many double neckers. It's not a non-stop. I don't what what is it? It's not a non-stop. Does that mean it does stop? Wait, what? I don't know. You have to figure that out for yourself. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm so happy with not knowing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just saying it made it was the threshold to adulthood, in, and it's something I didn't understand. And then my 16 year old brain was like scared of that, and so I can't watch that scene and be moved by it in the way I should be because I just think, oh Jesus! Like, but what what me. does he actually mean when he says I'm all in? Does he not Explain- mean? <laughs> You know what it means. Like, it means like he's in, like he's not out. Do you know what I mean? Like he's not in the mood. <laughs> his penis is in, like in. <laughs> That's what it means. Like not inside him, but it's like gone gone in a bit. All yeah? right. So we, we talked about. No, that's not. Is that, that not what, what it means? Of... Yeah. Does it not? I don't, I don't think so. No, I assume that it was. No, you think he's talking about his penis being inside her. No, no, the opposite. I'm all in, as in it's gone in. He, he's him and he's like, oh, I'm all in. And it's gone in a bit and it's not going anywhere out. It's not going inside anything because it's not out. Yeah? What What the hell are you talking about? Oh, what Vicky. are you doing? Oh, Vicky, what we'll do you mean? This is nonsense. This is dead air, essentially. 
you were literally just saying the same thing, but adding words every time. What do you actually mean? Like it's all shriveled up because he's so tired and he's no! so not in the mood. No, my, no. no it's it, not that. It's absolutely not that. What are you? Do you don't think that? Do you? Do you? I can't oh, speak. I do you think that? You think that's what he means? It's what on earth? How on earth do you get that from that? Because of what he says and what he does. Trust me, the, the no. full Monty would not have been this big a hit if that's what that had meant. Holy what? shit! I, th- I feel How like we've you... misunderstood each other. <laughs> no, I, you I, I don't want to hear you explain that... it anymore, Vicky. I feel <laughs> a bit thick. Yeah, I do too. This is this is nearly as bad as Samuel L. Jackson's ball bag from last week. Uh, let's, yeah, let's take this outside of this media. No, okay. Let's just clear it up. So I think people deserve an answer. He's saying that she's basically talking. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> she's basically saying like she's about like she he's she's doubting that whether he's into her yep. anymore no. because of his, yes a hundred percent because of his lack of interest in sex in the bedroom and he wants to confirm that he's all in on no. the relationship alex is right <laughs> yeah. he's wrong no, i'm on? not wrong watch it. the way he says it he turns over mm, no i'm not having that it means it's, <laughs> it's, it's this has gone in. No, it doesn't. No, then it would have been. Then it would have been in the past tense. He would have gone. I was all in because he says it after he's turned away. So if he's somehow miraculously still in, facing the wrong way, that's amazing. But that's not what he's bloody saying. Oh uh, no! Uh, let's stop going on. I'm. I know I'm right. So right, it's fine. come on. Carry on. We're moving on to the climax. Um, so... <laughs> Someone is. Uh, the next scene. We're into the actual full Monty. So uh, we hit the pub. Um, it's supposed to be all women, but actually it's full of their mates from the local as well. Uh, they're worried that it's suicide and then they're going to get torn to pieces in there. Uh, Dave shows up, the kid shows up, the ex shows up. So it ties all the loose ends up in about 30 seconds, which is quite economical uh, filmmaking. And then we're on stage for the big, the main event, um, which uh, I've read different stories about how they shot this, but... Um, what they're all consistent on is all the blokes on stage did get quite pissed to film this scene. Yeah. Um, and they were supposed to do, as written on the script, a full frontal naked star jump at the end of the scene. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the- Peter Catanio said that it was going to be the raised arms of the audience. They were all going to cheer as they did it, and the hands were supposed to cover the genitals. But uh, as you can imagine, he said, we just couldn't do that spontaneously. There was no way of making sure every person's genitals was covered by a hand at that point, so they couldn't yeah. do it like that. Um, they reckon that the crowd, uh, Hugo Spear says the climactic scene was nuts. Um, it was in a very cold working class men's Woo-hoo! club starting at about midday. Uh, the makeup and costume girls knew how we were feeling. So they were thrusting glasses of alcohol into our hands between takes and the extras smuggled in booze too. And they mm. weren't aware we were going to go all the way. Uh, that was smart on the producer's part. So it was completely natural reaction they got at the end. You apparently tell. Robert Carlyle said he said just one take he apparently it was Robert Carlyle that went we'll do it but we're only doing one take naked and that's it which I think is I, I imagine that's true because you only want it once and you're never going to get the same reaction again and yeah. also at what point does like shooting a scene just you become a flasher I'll do it again and again <laughs> and again and uh, again the song is a cover that was recorded for the film you can leave your hat on by Tom Jones which really works uh, mm, it does. Not the first film uh, that actual song's been used for for a striptease, though. Alex, you've got to know this one. Mm. Which the what, yeah, I, I've got to. What's the film? <laughs> um, 
Ooh, actually, I don't know. Nine but I will do when you tell messenger, me. Messenger. Uh, ah, damn it. The, I think it's the Joe Cocker version. Uh, but right. uh, they end up showing their bums and, and the director said, bums are funny. And the flare of light between Tom Wilkinson's butt cheeks is the cinema god smiling down on me. Uh, so it ends with that lovely freeze frame which sort of i don't know it's a long time to look at some wrinkly bums but it puts a smile on your face it is an absolutely amazing last scene i can't remember the last time i was laughing and not crying but getting very emotional it's so well done it's like this huge huge release like for the audience i thought it was brilliant and obviously i'm saying this and it's like new information to me because it's the first time i've seen it so alex would you say that you were all in on that on that ending it's not what it means (laughs) listen to the way he says it he says he's all sad she goes oh dave come here or whatever and he goes oh genie i'm all in like that that's literally how he says it that was some acting from me and that means it what it means it means he's all in on the relationship no, he doesn't. Yeah. He sounds... No, no, no. He's no, not no, got his doesn't. penis inside her. <laughs> no, no, inside her. Inside himself. Inside himself. <laughs> what? No. Oh, oh no. my God. There was a... Do you know there was a brief moment there? I was like, actually, maybe Vicky's right. And then you just said, mate, he was inside himself. Yeah. And it doesn't go inside it's, you, where is it? Vicky. It doesn't it's go gone... inside you. It doesn't go no, inside I, you. No, I know it doesn't go inside you, but it, it can... Tell be... Mark to see a doctor. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Seriously, I'm oh crying. Love, it's gone inside me. <laughs> I'm crying. What a weird scene that would have been if that's what was really happening. Oh god! I I can't. I would Google this, but I'm on a work computer, so I can't. But uh... all right, I've done the good. end of the film. There. Uh, uh, Very good. Any more for any more there, or any more for any more in general? No. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm good. I mean, it sounds like there were some arguments about this film during and afterwards, which I didn't realise. A bit of bad blood. Uh, Robert Carlyle was on Graham Norton in 2017, and he said that he initially thought the film was a bunch of pish. And he a said, load of fucking pish. Yeah. <laughs> he said the American studio thought it was straight to video, but um, our producer begged. They removed the director and editor, re-edited the film, and that did the trick. But the wow. director has since said that that's complete bollocks and that an alternate edit was always pre-raised between him and the producer. Um, so whatever the case on that front, the film um, cost $3.5 million and grossed $258 million. <gasps> oh This is God. the astonishing thing. It was the 10th highest grossing film globally that year. That's insane. That is insane. Like, it was... It was it was so huge, and what did Peter Cataneo say? The director he said it gave the British film industry a shot of confidence. A lot of films got greenlit that shouldn't have done in the hope they might be the next Full Monty. I probably made a couple of them myself, <laughs> and he did. It was called Lucky Break, and it's James Nesbitt, and yeah, it was one of the shit Full Monty knockoffs. Although he just yeah. had success with a Full Monty uh, style film, didn't he, with Military Wives that came out this year. Oh, I heard, I saw some poor. Yeah. I haven't seen it, did so it do all right? I saw some. I think that did I all saw right. terrible no, reviews for that. I don't think so, Chris. Well, it won't be coming uh, up I... on a podcast near you anytime soon, anyway. Um, mm. It won the BAFTA for best film, beating Titanic that year. Oh, lovely! Mm. Uh, it launched quite a few Hollywood careers. Um, Mark Addy went on to do um, Knight's Tale, Time Machine, Jack Frost, and he played Fred Flintstone. 
Um, and oh, yeah. Tom Wilkinson obviously went on to do Rush Hour, The Patriot, Eternal Sunshine, Michael Clayton, Batman Begins. So it was a real launch pad for a lot of people. Simon Beaufoy won the Oscar a few years later for Slumdog Millionaire. Mm. That's right. Uh, Hugo Spear says something about the film, which a few people claim. Um, he says the film's success snowballed incredibly quickly. Princess Diana died two days after it was released, which gave the film an enormous boost. People needed cheering up. Um, I think there might be something to that theory. Mm. Um, remembering that yeah. summer, you know, it's just something to put a smile on your face. Yeah. Um, and it was turned into a Broadway musical in 2000. Um, have you, I was watching footage from this. Um, Patrick Wilson played the lead in this for a year. I know. Uh, yeah. And I watched footage of him and it was, I didn't like watching footage of him do that. It just it was weird <laughs> watching him dance to disco and sing and, I don't know. I mean, it was all right him taking... Why? Because you don't like thinking about Patrick Wilson like that or you don't think Patrick Wilson is the right choice for that role? I just think he's cooler than that. He's just made him look really uncool. (laughs) He is cool. I like Patrick Wilson. But then he was an Aquaman, but that's not particularly cool. (laughs) Um, And it also became a West End musical, which was a hit, and a play a few years later, which was not a hit. Apparently, with regard to Patrick Wilson being in the Broadway version, there's, um, there's a quote here from Nicholas Lindhurst, who said <laughs> he got a call from his agent and he said he said it was a, it was a hard no, uh, but he doesn't regret it. He doesn't regret no, it. Nicholas Lindhurst said, I'm definitely not all in. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> all right, should we do the bits? Yeah, let's do the bits. Okay. Uh, Favourite scene, Alex. Uh, my best scene, I started sort of ranting about it um, a, a moment ago and then I realised it was my best scene in my bits, uh, which is uh, the ending, the final dance. Um, it manages to do that rare thing, which is like be utterly feel good, funny and unbelievably poignant at the same time. And I do think after, because the whole film is building up to it. It's like that classic sports drama kind of motif that I've never seen done with stripping before, obviously, where it's all about the big game at the end and, or like any other movie, like a heist movie, whatever. The point is, it's like waiting an hour and a half for a punchline for a joke that you already know, and then that punchline being even better than you thought it was going to be. So it's the final scene for me. Vicky? I 100% agree. Um, I think it's been really expertly hidden. So you've seen enough to have you on the hook for the dance, but you haven't seen too much. So then when you do finally see it, it's a real thrill. Okay, I'll go for the hot stuff scene then because I feel like someone should. Uh, Oof, yeah, And it is a great scene as well. Uh, MVW, Vicky. Uh, Tom Wilkinson, Gerald, uh, he gets the biggest arc. So I like him for that. I think he does really well. He gets some funny lines about um, when they start stripping in his house. He's like, you can't do that here. It's a good area. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> um, and he's, yeah, he's just an, um, an an actor with a lot of gravitas. Yeah, he brings um, great dignity, doesn't he, to that? Role. Yeah, when he has the meltdown after they fuck up his job interview with the norms, mm. that's it's really sad and it's really good. Yeah, uh, Alex, that is that. I'm just on that note. It's it's not my pick, but it is. Um, it is uh, that speech I wrote down. What a speech! That's when Tom Wilkinson suddenly like goes full emotion and actor and stuff. And the fact that it comes after the 
funny in inverted commas i know you loved it chris that gnome scene the headbutting gnome scene and then mm. suddenly you're like ouch wow the consequences of you could almost feel guilty as an audience member for finding it funny because mm. it lost him the job mm. uh, but my mvc is and i've never first for uh, clash board never picked this element of a film before as my mvc chris has uh and i know it's going to be a little bit controversial uh because vicky's already called it out as not good it's the score it's and dudley's so you're mad i loved it i absolutely loved the score i wrote down this score is so good <laughs> to myself and <laughs> um, it just, but I like it for the reason that you, I think you don't like it because I really, as I said, I walked into this worried it wasn't going to be fun and it was going to be a bit more dramery than funny. And the minute that score comes, I'm like, this is a comedy. It, it sounds like a sort of like a sort of almost sixty sort of like caper. Like it's really, I just think it's great. So it's the score uh, and Dudley's Oscar-winning score. <laughs> My MVW, I had I had written down Tom Wilkinson or Mark Addy, and as you've gone Wilkinson, I'm going to go Addy. Uh, Vicky because yeah I just think it's a star making turn from both those actors like they probably would have had long TV careers but this gave them proper movie careers because Hollywood saw this film and really took notice of these guys simply because they were good um, and uh, there's, a couple, there's a couple of moments in this film um, especially when he says he's all in on their relationship that um, really moved me <laughs> No, that's, what I'm going just, for. that's not even how people spoke in 1997 as well. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. <laughs> uh, Alex, what would you change, I, if anything? Well, I think there's a moment in it where Mark Eddy says he's all in. And <laughs> I, it's just... I, I, I think I, I think that line, it's, it's too clear what he means. You know, I'd like there to be... A bit of mystery. Like, could he be talking about being inside himself? Well, they should, they should, oh. should show the penis going into him. Um, so. Yeah, exactly. And it comes back up later. When Jeannie finds his, his G-string, she says, that explains a lot, as in you've not had sex with me for however long it is because you're knackered from having sex with someone else. Yes, yeah. That, but that fits the theory that he doesn't want to have sex with her because he's embarrassed about his body and she questions whether it's something else. And he goes, no, emotionally, I'm all in. No. He doesn't retract his penis inside himself because yes, he, he can't do that being a human man. He can, I think, <laughs> and he, or he did, or and I, I mean, I didn't look at sex the same way for like the next however long twenty years. <laughs> yeah, that's dark. Isn't that terrible? I've had a very military attitude to sex after that because. Of that. <laughs> Alex, did you yeah, say this... what you were going to change? Or I can't even remember now. Sorry, no. Uh, it is a Mark Addy moment, and we just touched on it. It's the G-string discovery. It's the moment where his wife finds that the stripper pants and thinks he's cheating on her and accuses him of such and he tells her that it's actually not him cheating he's stripping and in that moment in that scene she forgives him and actually supports him and goes actually you should do it you're great i think that shouldn't end like that i think the discovery of him being a stripper he should say to her i'm a stripper and she goes i don't fucking believe you get out and he leaves, but he still does the show and she's in the audience. And it's at that moment where she's with her mates that he walks out on stage and she suddenly realizes he was telling the truth and he's got the confidence oh, to go out yeah. and strip. And it's like you double down and like he catches her eye, she catches his. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I forgive you. And this is amazing that you're doing that. And now we're going to have sex later. So That's I think it should happen. Perfect. Give Alex the BAFTA. 
Thanks so much. Um, so Robert Carlyle's character Gaz, he is your cheeky hero, and you are meant to find him endearing from like the first moment he's on screen, even though he's got limitations or, or like you know um, he's been in prison. He doesn't seem to be able to do the right thing by his son. But f- so for someone who's a cheeky hero, I know this is an impossible change. But can we go back into the film and take out every time he says puff because that really. <laughs> grated on me and he yeah. references the factory that his wife works in as being the black hole of calcutta and that is not cool so we just need to go back into that film take that out so that i can identify with him as a cheeky hero without being like oh fucking hell fuck the 90s yeah you, i mean I'd, I'd kind of written that down and then i, I got rid of it just because i thought well they, you know they were just capturing how people those people would have talked at the time but it is quite grating to hear it now yeah um I would change uh, the music. I really, really hate the music. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Are you being serious? Yeah, genuinely. It's what I've got written down, uh, particularly when the harmonica comes in. I, I don't know what the music is. I find it really intrusive. I think it weirdly dates it. Come on, and- I can sing it. You ready? Da, 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 da. Shut up! And, and what That's I wrote, it. what I did write down <laughs> is I'm going against received wisdom at the time as it received an Oscar, but I think maybe the Academy got the score confused with the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, <thank laughs> Which is very I think good. they did. Yeah, I think they did. <laughs> uh, so that's the full Monty. Great stuff. Oh, we want, are um... done on the full Monty. Yes, of course we do. I'm it's not going to really... let that go. Is it about <laughs> <laughs> men and what they can and can't do with parts of their body? No, no, no. So um, it's, it's quick and dirty in keeping with the theme of um, this week's uh, episodes. Are you ready? So dancing is my absolute favourite way to end a film as the climax during Act 3 or just dancing as the credits roll, just general dancing towards the end of a film. So I'm going to give you the song, you tell me the film. Are you ready? This is the climactic dance in a film song. Yeah, and it's either it's either the point of the film, as in we're putting on a show, or it's just a dance in Act 3 to sort of tie it all together. Ooh. All ready? right. Ready? Yeah. yeah. I'll give you the song. The song is The Rockefeller Skank. Name the film. 21 Jump Street. I don't know. Funk Soul, brother. Check it out. No. <laughs> funk soul. Do you know it? You don't know it? You don't know no, it? No. Uh, it's She's All That. Oh, I can't believe you didn't oh. know it. I've never seen it. Right, you ready? Uh, time After Time. Oh, a lovely song. Um, uh, Pretty time in Pink. After- Nope. Alex, have you got a guess? Well, give us a clue. Uh, 97, I think. And oh. Oh, uh, they invented post-it notes. Empire Records? No. Romeo and Michelle's High School yeah. Reunion. Ah, very good. Oh. Uh, Super Freak, name the film. Oh, oh, oh. Charlie's Angels? Nope. Give us a clue. Uh, uh, Abigail Breslin's in it. Little Miss Sunshine. Correct. Yay. Okay. Um, yay. Time of my life. Day dancing. Day dancing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Nearly done. Uh, Jai I'm Ho. Down. I'm out. I, I was just <laughs> waiting for that. Oh, uh, uh, million dollar, million, uh, super do- slumdog millionaire. Correct. Well, I didn't even hear the name of the song. What's the song called? <laughs> Jai Ho. Jai Ho. Oh, I think Alex is winning. Um, I'm winning 2-1, so- but that's fine. <laughs> no, I'm winning. Um, Johnny, be good. Back to the future. Back to the future. Yes. <laughs> and the last one is called Scott and Franz Paso Doble. Oh, Paso Doble. How oh, frick. I think I know this. I don't know. Dirty Dancing 2. 
Strictly Havana ballroom. Nights. Oh, very good. Uh, I don't know who won because I don't keep score. It was me, 3 1. It was me. It was you. Yeah, it was was actually me, 4 2. So, uh, but anyway, let's not not dwell on the scores, 4 2. Um, Great stuff. Well, that is the end of this episode, part one of. The Full Monty versus Magic Mike. So the challenger arrives on Thursday in the form of Magic Mike. We'll be back then. Uh, until then, do get in touch with us at ClashPod on Twitter, or you can hit us up on email, show at ClashPod.com. We'll be back on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.